Hello and welcome to Registate.com podcast number 28. The Doctor is in and Marvel's latest movie has been given a clean bill of health as Doctor Strange is now in theaters. And with the help of my guests, we will make you believe as we give you our take. Mel Gibson, the director of Hacksaw Ridge, has criticized violence in Hollywood films. In particular, one studio. We'll tell you which one. Joe Manganiello says Ben Affleck's Batman movie will surprise people, and we'll talk about what he had to say. Frank Miller, a legend in the world of comics, says if he were to make a Batman movie, his focus would be on the mission and forget something else entirely. What is it? Brian Singer has made a decision not to return to the franchise he's worked on off and on since 2000. What's next for the franchise? Fox seems to be jumping into the deep end of the pool as the studios announced it's working on the third movie before the second movie has even been begun production. Crazy. Finally, a beloved television family will be around a little while longer as it looks to set even more records. Joining me today is James from the True Believers as we give the following a thorough examination that may make our audience need to turn their heads and cough. Nurse, gloves please. James, welcome. Thank you. It's truly great to be here. <laughs> How you doing, man? Fantastic. It's great. Everything's huge. I love it. Everybody loves me. Nobody loves your podcast more than me, Reggie. And I do mean that. Well, you know, we're just looking to make this podcast great again. <laughs> oh, wow. We went there. <laughs> we did. It's uh, it's a little different. We could probably go there. It's all right. All right. A few things have gone on. Marvel's released their latest movie, Doctor Strange. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. No, I'm kidding. Of course I've seen it. I, I know you said you've seen it. I just saw it yesterday as of this recording. So um, give me your high point. The movie is visually, it's visually stunning. In this day and age, it's kind of hard to be visually stunning but this one there were moments where he's floating through space the camera keeps there and of course it's all cgi but the camera keeps him there and is still and if you watch he gets so tiny as he goes away i just couldn't believe it how long they would just let that go like i mean that's really quite a feat the uh the whole uh fight scene going on and all the city is oh in in london or whatever was that no that was new york new york York, yeah that was just you know mind-blowing in in the sense of trying to keep your head okay which way is yeah which way there's uh yeah Uh, because it'll it'll change it'll go from horizontal to vertical Vertical. and it it really does kind of mess with you a little bit it it was definitely a uh, visual feat oh yeah to be sure did you like it as an origin story Here's the deal. When I was watching it, I thought that as an origin story, as a movie, I was like, well, it's okay. It's kind of, it kind of jumps really fast. It's like, okay, here's the origin. He's got a girlfriend. Now he's hurt. Now he does his thing. Now he's got powers. And I kind of felt like it went really fast. But the, the more I thought of it after I watched the movie, the more I actually liked it. Because how many origin stories have we seen at this point? Quite a few. And this movie was like pretty much honest they're like yes he's gonna have a girlfriend she's not gonna be as integral as pepper Potts. that's the way it is and he's gonna learn some things like they all do there you go like i mean let's just get to the point already yeah the more i thought of it the more i actually liked that in my mind they didn't waste the audience's time and getting to their story if this movie came out eight years ago, like Iron Man, I would have wanted more story in it. But at this point, it's like, let's be honest, all superhero stories are 
kind of the same. Uh-huh. Let's, let's just get to the point. So I think it actually did a pretty good job with that. And I liked the fact that uh, Doctor Strange, before he became Doctor Strange, uh, when he was at the beginning of the movie, when he's practicing medicine, they're showing him being a surgeon mm-hmm. and all that stuff. He really, to me, came across as an arrogant ass. Yeah. At, at least his character did. Yeah. Uh, now, you could tell Benedict Cumberbatch kind of put his a little bit of a little bit of humor into it a little bit here and there. So even though you knew he, he was like, wow, this guy is just really a major ass, but at the same time, he almost almost was likable, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though he was an ass. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I don't know. To me, he reminded me a little bit almost like of Tony Stark to a certain extent, yes. the way they set him up. I, uh, this movie, in a lot of ways, was a mix between the first Iron Man and the first Harry Potter. It's and like with Iron the, Man goes to magic school. And, and, and then yeah. with all the bending and everything, it also yeah. almost kind of, even though i never really seen Inception, but you know, it kind of gives you that. You've never seen Inception? No, I've never seen Inception. Oh my gosh, we're going to have to have a movie night. That's, <laughs> Inception's actually a pretty good movie uh like i i really like christopher nolan i like inception it's a good movie i know a lot of people kind of rag on it because it doesn't make sense whatever no movie makes sense sometimes a movie that doesn't make sense initially when you watch it sometimes it's almost worth reviewing again and again exactly and that's one of those movies like it's a it's a good movie it's it's worth watching i read something um that was probably a good month before the movie actually hit theaters. And they said that one of those uh, critics said that he'd gotten to see the movie early, of course. And they said that, you know, if you didn't know that this was already going to be attacked as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you took out one small scene in the movie, you could really go in and watch the movie and not really realize it's attached to the Marvel oh, Universe. Yeah. Because there's only that one little scene that uh, librarian, not the one that got his head cut off, but the other one, which I kind of like that character. Wong? long or whatever it is where you know he's like where the adventures protect the physical universe we're mm-hmm. more that and if you take that entire line out yeah you would really not know this is connected to the marvel and actually universe. i thought that line kind of sucked honestly i know this is a marvel, marvel movie. movie you don't have to remind me and they probably could have taken it out yeah. and been fine but at I, the same time i think they also wanted to remind their audience yes that this it is, is part marvel. yeah no i totally get it it's marketing yeah it was a really good movie i really liked wong in that movie by the way i liked there was humor in the movie but it wasn't forced at least it didn't seem forced to me the humor became out of what was going on and the interactions between the characters and it wasn't some lame-ass joke just shoved in there for no reason yeah that made it enjoyable that's and that was always something joss whedon did both as a strength and a weakness he does a lot of jokes that seem almost inappropriate for the movie uh you know with avengers and age of ultron and that's the way he does with buffy and everything else when it works it works avengers everything just about maybe one or two lines kind of sucked but in avengers pretty much everything is really funny age of ultron it did it was a bit much it got a little tiring yeah. after a while so that's always been the strength and the weakness of joss whedon thing is he played it so well in avengers that that's kind of been like a staple for a while mm-hmm. and i i think this movie finally finally toned it down a bit which is good i i really thought it hit the right tone between being an origin story being a, a connected movie to the marvel universe it didn't throw anything too majorly in your face yeah it gave you what you wanted and i really thought the movie moved along fairly fast yeah it does i mean i know it's however long it is but it didn't seem as long as it as what the clock said it was yeah so it's like wow this movie just moves fast and that fight between him and mads mickelson character almost middle of the movie that was a i like that fight i did too it it moved to the point of he was still trying to figure himself out his powers out and him struggling to keep up against mads 
character and it really worked in my book for me i really enjoyed that fight it almost harkened back to me as an old-fashioned fist fight in a certain way but it didn't have like a fight you'd see like if it was iron man or mm-hmm. the story it didn't seem quite so one-sided in, in, yeah. a, in a certain sense i was thoroughly, I thoroughly entertained by the movie yeah i i do agree there was a sense of danger for your character uh we don't get that as much and these later superhero movies we used to like with spider-man one and two and with batman begins we did used to get that sense of danger but we typically don't anymore which is something i've noticed i have a concern with marvel pulling doctor strange into their cinematic universe moving forward with avengers with the infinity war movies but i'll get that here in a second sure what i was going to ask you was the rest of the characters mad nicholson's character and the guy who played mordo did you like those two characters you know what um i did actually and you know i know people keep saying that marvel has a villain's problem i think marvel is more focused on the heroes right and you look at comic book heroes most of the times the the ones that have the best villains are obviously batman superman spider-man are really probably your three best superheroes pretty much as far as villains Villains go yeah Yeah. rogues gallery i should say you know x-men has magneto who's great fantastic four has dr doom you know it seems like like, after those three you get a lot of superhero characters that have one really good villain yeah but then after that it really drops off dramatically and and none of the avengers characters had great villains in the comics that i'm not gonna say that there are exceptions to it there are exceptions and they're not as great as like a batman or a spider-man villain is what i'm gonna say yeah. for the most part uh there are exceptions to the rule obviously and i think marvel's those never really shied away other than possibly loki marvel's never really strayed from their entire if you really look at it their entire string of movies the hero has always been the forefront. Yeah. And although we've gotten a great villain in Loki, we've never had a villain that really that's just stepped up and let's say overshadowed the movie like you would get like a Heath Ledger and a Joker. Maybe a Ultron. Movie. Maybe Ultron. Ultron didn't go over 100% with no. everyone. I liked him. I thought he was a very, very interesting character. Would Ultron have been more likable if he'd have been more, say, a human type of character than rather than like a computer generated? I think the bigger problem uh, mechanical mechanical type of character i think what they should have done is kept him more mechanical looking he, he, if you remember he, he like his intro his, yeah it and his introduction is scary like that is creepy that weird ma- ma- amalgamation doll, of all different yeah. Uh, yeah of all the different and yeah. then right after that they turn him into this like Sleek. cgi yeah they should have waited for that until the end the very final um, battle is yeah. when he came out that's sleek. what i think like they should have kept just that terrifying emotionless visage mm-hmm and just left it like i think that would have been a lot scarier i'm not really sure why they went that direction i think the idea of a teenage super intelligent robot who's super crazy and has and yet has the emotional maturity of a teenager yeah is really interesting and mm-hmm. really scary the other problem is that the movie was like so bogged down with like other stuff that wasn't really that important that I think they should have focused more on Ultron, mm-hmm. I think, and just let him be the star, in my opinion. Because we already had an Avengers movie where they were the star. And really, the first Avengers movie, Loki's kind of kind of the star of that movie. I think they should have done that. And I did like the farm scene and stuff, but it, they could have cut it a little bit. I didn't need to see Samuel L. Jackson pop in for no reason and then leave. That would have been, I think, almost out of the story same way where i saw it was all gonna be kind of 
you got to the point where you realize the rest of the movie kind of can take place in New York, although it did move to, over to Hong Kong there, though, for the very end battle. But I was afraid at some point you're going to get Tony Stark to pop in there. And that really Are you talking of, about Doctor Strange? Yeah, on the Doctor yeah. Strange. I was really afraid you're going to have Tony Stark pop in as a cameo somewhere in the middle of that movie. And that really would have they taken really me out of it. They really did a good job of not doing that. Yeah. There is a scene where, uh, spoiler alert, post-credits. And post-credits, you can kind of do whatever you want. Thor pops up in the post-credits. Right. I was going to ask you about that here in a second because that was... Uh, it was also something else I had to ask you about. But um, this uh, one character uh, towards the end when he was when they were battling there in Hong Kong and he did that time loop thing up in space. Oh, uh, Dorm- Dor- Dormammu. Dormammu. Exactly. And you may know more about him than I do. I only know from what I've read here briefly. Exactly what is that character? Well, let me explain. Dormammu is a multidimensional being from another universe. I know in the movie they kept saying it was from another dimension. I wish they would have just said another universe, but whatever. That's nitpicking. He basically, his universe, he is basically one with his universe, essentially. He's basically an insanely powerful being. I mean, he's basically the a living embodiment of his own universe. Hmm. He's But when he comes here, when he comes to our universe, or rather their universe, the Marvel universe, when he goes to a different universe, he becomes more fragile. He's still very powerful, but you can kill him when he goes in there. I love his design. He's one of Steve Ditko's designs. His face is just fire in the comics. I did see a picture of that when I was kind of looking him up earlier this afternoon. Yeah. I was also reading somewhere on another, I kind of looked at something I stayed away from before I saw the movie. The chances of them actually using that character again in Doctor Strange, or you think the one one time in this particular movie was good enough for that character? Look, I'm not the biggest Doctor Strange fan. There's only a few, a handful of villains that I know. One of them is Dormammu, uh-huh. and the other one is um, Baron Mordo. Now that yeah. brings me to this, the very end uh, post-credit scene, which I found it funny at the theater. Everyone stayed through the whole, you know, usual. It got to that mid-credit scene, mm-hmm. and, and as soon as that mid-credit scene was done, everyone else in the theater whoosh, just filed right on out. And I'm thinking to myself, where are you guys going? Yep. The relationship with Mardo and, and Doctor Strange in that this movie. That was incredible. Was there enough of a, I don't know if I want to say friendship is the right word, or enough of a, a working relationship between those two characters, at least in this movie, to make Mordo now an enemy of Doctor Strange? Mordo... Honestly, now, after this movie, Mordo now I know could in, be now I know in their the, next Loki. Now I know in the comics, those two are enemies. Yeah, I was kind of getting at is you know was there a I honestly movie? think that the way they did this movie, where they start start him up as a friend, uh huh, kind of training him also. Yeah, that is really it's not entirely original. I'll get to that in a minute, <laughs> but uh, it's really neat and i really think that's them looking at and saying okay like people keep saying we have a villain problem we need another loki let's do it with mordo Mm -hmm. so and i think they could and now he's going to be different i love the idea that at the end of the movie here's here's the deal in the comics in the comics there was no friendship between the two they were just enemies right first issue of dr strange he goes to meet the ancient one the Ancient One is male in the comic, by the way. And the Ancient One tells him uh, one of his students is going to betray him. There you go. That's it. Mordo's the betrayer. Mordo is also white in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought changing his race made so much sense. Because it never made sense to me that we have this ancient 
Eastern religion, and the only other main character that's part of this religion just happens to be the other white guy. <laughs> it's like, really? I really like the actor who played him. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with him in anything else. I, I might be, but I really liked him. I think that they have a really good future with him. Of course, Mads, uh, how do you, I always just call him the chief. What do you call, what's uh, his name? Mads. Mads. Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Of course, he was really good too. He was kind of a just a typical like mwahaha henchman type of character, but uh, he did it well. I also love how his thing apparently is always having blood coming out of his eyes because he did in Casino Royale also. He had blood coming out of his eyes and on this movie he's got like weird digital purple blood yeah and his other thing is getting uh defeated really early because <laughs> he did in casino royale so like always like the main villain of that movie but he's the a henchman in a greater universe it's uh, kind of interesting the guy who played uh, mordo was in 12 years a slave oh really okay solomon northrup it looks like he's also appeared in the movie salt with uh angelina jolie he's done a versatile bunch of stuff no. he hasn't done a lot but yeah i, I liked he was him. really good i liked him in he was role. really good um and I'm excited to see where they go with him. I really like the idea that, you know, in the comics, he was just a typical, like, he betrayed the master, blah, blah, blah. But in this movie, they really did a good job of making it much deeper. He was the one who actually felt, and he's he's really not wrong in this, he felt betrayed by the Ancient One. Mm -hmm. And she kind of did betray him. She really lied to him about the whole religion that they follow was based on a lie she was manipulating part of this religion that she was not sharing with anyone else mm -hmm. a very scary part of that religion and at the end of the movie at the post-credit scenes when he takes that guy's powers away it's like again he's not really wrong like this guy is using all of these crazy interdimensional magical powers for selfish means for himself maybe he shouldn't be able to use those it's really kind of interesting like we're really what they're doing with that character they're really making him not so much evil but just maybe a little bit more i don't know it's a very interesting take on the character and i really like it and i really like that they're kind of doing something a little different with a villain it's funny i just noticed here that the guy who played wong the actor is benedict wong <laughs> <laughs> really yeah that's kind of funny that is funny now going back to the the mid-credit scene where you see uh dr strange Benedict come back to his character talking to chris hemsworth thor dr strange is concerned about loki thor obviously makes the mention that he's looking for odin i got the impression that dr strange was willing to help thor look for odin or at least help him point him in the right direction what do you think the chances are that benedict cumberjack now pops in as a cameo in thor Oh, I think it's very high. I think Thor is going to be about Thor, Hulk, Hulk and Doctor Strange. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be a good movie. There's always been, you know, the funny part is there's always been a really interesting relationship between Thor and Hulk. But on the flip side, there's always been a really, really interesting relationship between Hulk and Doctor Strange. Really? Doctor Strange, Hulk, and the Silver Surfer are the original three Defenders. Aha! Then Valkyrie joined them. I'm not sure why she's not in a movie. Um, she's just a, you know, Valkyries were uh, 
like angels and Norse mythology, but Valkyrie is one of Thor's friends. She's a warrior. I'm trying to think. I think there was another one that joined after that. And then the Defenders just became what they call a non-group. It's just whoever's in it, (laughs) which is really odd. But obviously... It's been announced, and it was really no surprise. It really shouldn't come surprise to anybody that they announced that Benedict Cumberbatch will appear in the two-part Infinity War movies. Although the only the first movie is going to be called Infinity War, they haven't announced what the second uh, name of the second movie will be because they said that'll give it away too too easily if they do now. But I was going to ask you one: What do you think his role, or how much of a role he'll play in Infinity War movie? And B. I have a certain amount of fear with him being in the Infinity War movie, which I know it would be stupid not to have him in there. But at the same time, knowing what Doctor Strange can do, I'm almost afraid that at the beginning of the Infinity War movie, if they, say, kill off a major character that we're already familiar with at the beginning to bring everyone together, that Doctor Strange at some point will later on undo that to bring that person back. Mm. That's you know a good what I'm saying? Point. You know what I'm saying? So the whole the whole issue, Marvel's not willing to kill off somebody. Oh, yes, he's dead. Oh no, he's not later on. Yeah. Is a slight concern on my part. Well, to address yours, I'm gonna address B first. That's a very good concern that you have. Yeah. Doctor Strange does have the Deus Ex Machina powers of whatever he wants. Oh I guess we should mention that we did get introduced to the fifth infinity stone we did and on the it's in that little eye of it's the eye of uh uh, it's a really popular relic the eye of agamotto which is uh along with the wand of watum is also like they're really powerful relics in dr strange he's always using the eye of agamotto and now i shall use the wand of watum by the hoary host of hagarth and yeah and then like in the movie he also mentioned the boots i don't know what the boots are the boots of something and that's like beyond me i did get a kick out of the cape in the movie Oh yes, I, did I love the cape. Out. I love the cape. Reminded me of the carpet ad- on Aladdin. It almost had an attitude. Yeah, no, and, it had its own personality, and I loved it. Yeah, I loved I, it. I did too. I did too. The cape was great. The Eye of Agamotto, by the way, has a cameo in the very first Thor movie. It does. Mm-hmm. It's it's in Odin's chamber of relics, along with the uh, casket of eternal winters. This is really nerdy stuff, by the way, but yeah. Not not you're gonna have to make me go back and watch that again. The casket of eternal winters and then now is if that, you look at it, the eye of Agamotto is there. Now is that before uh young Thor becomes big Thor or is that after that point? That's after. That's after So the theory now is theory A is maybe the eye of Agamotto that is in Odin's chamber of relics is in fact a um replica, a fake Gotcha. Theory B is that hmm, maybe somebody from Asgard stole the Eye of Agamotto and left it on Earth for the Ancient One to find. Or theory C is they're just movies, so who gives a shit? Getting back to my two-part question that I asked, and you said you're going to answer part B first. Yeah, what was the other one? What was the other two part? Uh, well, the, well, the first part of that was A. That was I did answer part B already. Like You are right to be concerned. Right. Uh, part A was oh his where 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 he'll fit and how much they will use well, him. Well, if use you ever him. get a chance to read the Infinity War 
Doctor Strange is actually a pretty big character in that. So, I, yeah, he does deserve to be in that movie. He, in the in the comics, I never doubted that he wouldn't be. Yeah. I, I was just curious. And being that you do get someone like Benedict Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. who seems to be extremely popular right now as far as yeah. people wanting him in their movies, uh, you don't sign someone like him unless you intend to use him yeah. thoroughly throughout your, your universe. But I, I was just curious as, as your thought of what how, how big or how little or how much he'll play into that story, considering you're going to have, you know, with Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. and all that, where you got so many big names in there to fit it into those movies and give equal justice to everybody. None of these Marvel movies have followed their storyline to a T. In fact, most of them follow it very loosely. That being said, in the comic, Doctor Strange is kind of the one. He's the one who feels the distress from Silver Surfer. So he finds Silver Surfer and brings him back to health. And Silver Surfer was the one who explained to Doctor Strange that Thanos has found the Infinity Gauntlet. And then they start. he starts killing people throughout the universe, like, instantly. And Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer are the ones that really are kind of at the forefront. They're the ones that bring the other heroes together. So, yeah, so I could really see... Doctor now, Strange being the maybe the uh, peacemaker between yes. Stark and... and now, and, and since... Since Silver Surfer isn't going to be in it, I feel See, like... because that was my next question. You you caused me to want to ask you, and you said Silver Surfer, because obviously Marvel and Disney don't have access to Silver Surfer because of Fox. Who becomes then that... Well, I think it's going to be Vision. I think Vision is actually going to take the dual roles of both Silver Surfer and Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock is actually the one who had the Infinity Stone in his forehead. Okay. Adam Warlock is also, I believe, the son of Thanos. I could be wrong there. It gets pretty complicated. But I, if he's not a son of Thanos, he's somehow related to him, and I don't remember how. There's actually a cameo of Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, his uh, cocoon is in the collector's store. I don't know what you call it. It's a menagerie. I honestly think Vision is going to be kind of a mashup of Silver Surfer and Adam Warlock. Uh, we know that Fox has the rise to Silver Surfer. I don't know about Adam Warlock, but Adam Warlock has always been closely related to Fantastic Four, so Fox may have the rights to him too. Also, nobody really knows who Adam Warlock is, so like they might as well just make it Vision. See, in the comics, Vision's, the, his jewel on his forehead, mm-hmm. that wasn't really anything special. It was just a laser it was a laser shooter, hmm. is what it was. Whereas Adam Warlock is the one who had the Mind Stone. So you think that's the reason why maybe they put the Mind Stone in Vision? Yeah, because I don't they, think they, they... They kind of knew they had... Yeah, to... they're just they're just given the role of Adam... Because at that point, when I saw Ultron, I knew they were, giving, they were going to give the role of Adam Warlock to Vision for the future movies. Now that Doctor Strange is around, I think they're also going to give Silver Surfer's role to... uh, To Vision as well. To Vision. Now, I could be wrong, but I think that's kind of what they're going for. Speaking of, I would love to, if Marvel ever gets the rights to Fantastic Four again, I would love to see uh, Silver Surfer in a movie. Let me bring something up real quick. Go ahead. Do you remember on Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer how at the end Silver Surfer flies up and talks to Galactus and it's just a big cloud in space and it's boring and stupid? 
Okay, I might. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, so it's possible. The scene with Doctor Strange talking to Dormammu, to me, felt like what that should have been years ago. Yeah, we're not afraid to show this stuff. Like, I mean, it's cool stuff. Hmm. So there you go. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. If you don't really remember Fantastic Four, it's I've seen it's the Rise a, of Silver it's a Surfer. bad movie. I've seen the Rise of Silver Surfer, but it's been so long I haven't really. See, it. I mean, I would love to see Galactus in a Marvel movie. Galactus is a great villain. Hopefully, someday Fox will go ahead and concede and sell Fantastic Four over to Marvel. You hope they need to. They're not doing anything else with them. Uh, touching on the Thor Ragnarok, since we saw Doctor Strange talking to Thor, I almost want to believe that maybe Loki didn't necessarily kill Odin. Maybe he just put him somewhere well, else now and I'm erased his memory. Yeah. Now Maybe I'm wondering. Erased his, erased his memory where he doesn't know who he yeah. is. I'm wondering now. I don't know. It's weird. I assume that he killed him in the second one, but... Or maybe Marvel wanted you to believe that that's yeah. what he did, but they really had to, maybe they didn't even think that far ahead. They just yeah. wrote it and figured, oh, we'll figure it out later. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Of course, we don't have to wait long for uh, Thor or Ragnarok. Cause that's when does that come out? November of 2017. That's the second of their two movies next year. Gar- Guardians of the Ga- Well, actually, technically, if you want to count Spider-Man Homecoming. It counts. Because uh, you got Guardians of the Galaxy in April or May. You've got Homecoming, for the Spider-Man movie, uh, June or July. I don't remember the exact date. And then you got Thor Ragnarok in November. Their batting average is just phenomenal. I, they don't have a bad movie. Not at yet. all. Sooner or later, it's probably going to happen. It's going to happen. And when it happens, the world will act like it's ending. Yes. Like, they'll be like, they're done now. They suck now. It's over. Blah, yeah. Blah. Kill the franchise. Yeah. yeah. Any last thoughts on, on Doctor Strange before before I move on with the next bit of uh, agenda? I can't think of anything offhand, but I, I do want to reiterate how uh, much of a, just a visual experience that movie is. It's a, it's a really good movie. Uh, go see it, and if you go see it, stay through the credits, mm-hmm. people. What would you at give this it? point? We can't. Oh my god! Like all Marvel movies, I'd give it at, probably an A minus, A okay. probably an A minus, maybe a B plus if I'm in a bad mood. The more I think of the movie, the more yes. Like I mean, yeah, when I saw it, yeah, I felt like the story was kind of rushed. But the more I thought of it, it was like no, they're just they're just getting the cliches out of the way, right? And when I thought of it that way, I was like, you know what? This movie was actually pretty good. So I'd give it an A or an A minus. And just thinking, the one of my favorite parts was him doing the the battle as his spirit in the operating room, where, yes, where his girlfriend that was trying, good was trying to save him. Yeah. And and when he figured out when she did the paddles to, to restart his heart, and it gave, and he's like, turn it up and do it again. What? Do it again. You know, I I thought that was pretty funny. That was good. Yeah. And I also thought the part where he talked to. The ancient one, when she, is yeah, spirit, they're both kind of in that spirit. And time form. is it, like so slowed slow, down. Slow down. Yeah. To me, that was almost like the ending of Act Two and the beginning of Act Three. For yeah, that movie. It really was because that's when I think he he figured out a lot of things by just what she said. Yeah. He was able just to listen and realize what he had to do or what he needed to be doing, and it propelled the movie to the rest of its yeah. its conclusion. It really was a good movie. It really was. Kind of going to stick a little bit here with the Marvel thing briefly. Ugh, I hate those movies. Yeah, I know. Just a pain in the ass. Mel Gibson, his new movie, Hacksaw Ridge, debuted the same weekend as Doctor Strange. By the way, that does look like a really good movie from what I've seen, at least in trailers. Of course, and again, I like watching those type of movies about, mm-hmm. or anything really dealing with world war ii i i find it a fascinating part of history but uh in a recent interview 
uh, Mel Gibson did with the Washington Post while he was out promoting his Hacksaw Ridge movie, he criticized other Hollywood films for the way they present, or as he described, violence without consequences. Okay, And during his interview, the actor slash director actually pointed a finger to the Marvel films, okay. which I found interesting. And if you really listen to this, you almost... To me, I almost want to laugh at this to a certain extent. He said, quote, to talk about the violent question, look at any Marvel movie. They're more violent than anything that I've done. But in my movies, you give a shit about the characters, which makes it matter more. That's all I'm going to say. Let me address this in two points. Uh, Point one, Mr. Gibson, Passion of the Christ is basically torture porn. Have you seen Passion of the Christ? No. Pretty hard to watch. Like, it's insane. Well, and he's also promoting Hacksaw Ridge, which is a World War II movie. Right. And from what I've seen of that trailer, that can't be a PG movie itself. I mean, it is a hard R, but it's a war movie. And I've heard it's pretty much probably like one of the best war movies since like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. And Saving Private Ryan was pretty damn violent. Yeah. Now, never mind Apocalypto, which he also directed, which was super violent. Right. Also, never mind movies he starred in, such as the Mad Max series and... The first Lethal Weapon. And I was just getting there. Lethal Weapon... Talk about violence without consequences. That one does have it. It's now, kind of funny that he's he's pointing the finger at Marvel when, if you really want to, he's actually calling the kettle black. No, yeah, he is. And it's like, dude, you can't. Now, I am going to. Then again, it is Mel Do Gibson. the second. Yes. <laughs> I am going to go to the second point, which I do agree with him that there is. And this is not anything new in fact this is a very old hollywood problem that we've actually gotten better of over the years this is when i say old i'm talking about the old westerns from the 40s 50s all these movies uh action movies from that decade from decades past since movies went to talkies basically Uh is violence without consequence yes there is like you see people get shot in old movies there's almost no blood in movies you might see some blood westerns in the 50s and 60s right all those gun battles people getting shot and right in front of each other no blood yeah and see like that is actually and there is growing belief that that type of violence is actually more unhealthy to children than gore Right, because they because, see the guns, yeah. the guns fire, no blood. Oh, well, it's the guns aren't harmful. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, he's not wrong. And sure, there is a lot of that to some degree in the Marvel movies. I, I do agree, but... At the same time, look at what he's also done himself. Exactly. I mean, I there's also a point. Do we need to watch Jesus get whipped for an hour, for three hours? Like, I mean, it's bad. Well, he was on Stephen Colbert here recently, and he said he's planning on doing a sequel to The Passion of the Christ. I heard. Like, what would the sequel be? I have like, no idea. The... Yeah, I think he's talking about wanting to do him rising is what he's wanting to do. But that's that's all another podcast. So I just found his remarks strange. I really, I really do hate it when these artists, David Cronenberg, did something similar four years ago. And by the way, I'm a huge Cronenberg fan. Mm -hmm. Huge. And I'm a huge Mel Gibson fan, too. But Cronenberg said when The Dark Knight Rises came out, he was like, everyone keeps saying it's artistic, but it's not a work of art. It's just another guy in a cape. Okay, you may not be wrong. Like, sure, it is another guy in a cape movie. And maybe, like, maybe we do stamp the word art in our society on more things than it deserves. But David Cronenberg, of all people, he did The Fly with 
Jeff Goldblum. He did um he did Videodrome. He did uh God, what's that weird movie where that lady has all those like bug kids? The Brood. Oh, okay. He did uh Dead Ringers. All of his movies his movies are great, but all of his movies are very gory, very body horror is what they call it. Because mm-hmm. someone's human form is being morphed into something else like jeff goldblum becoming a fly in the brood when she undoes her robe and you see a an egg sack coming out of her that is like the grossest thing i've ever seen that's like real quick (laughs) he's a genre director he does horror i know that he's heard people call his movies garbage and not art and all this why is he then doing that to christopher nolan's batman Mm mm-hmm I don't like it when they do that. Well, see, like, and again, I'm a big fan of Mel Gibson. I'm a really big fan of David Cronenberg. But it's like, just stop doing that. It just made me wonder because he, in fact, he specifically pointed out Marvel. Yeah. And it's like, okay, out of all the movie studios that we have, why did you pick out Marvel in particular? And yeah. the only thing I could come to, at least in my brain, was he's got something against the superhero genre films. I think it's more he's just being holier than thou. And it's like, violence needs to be super violent in order for it to mean something. And it's like, man, get over yourself. Just keep making good movies. We'll watch them, okay? But as I said, that's the only thing I could come to the conclusion was he has he just has something against the that, superhero that's genre. That's a thing when, when artists basically are being pots calling the kettle black it does bother me you guys should know more than anyone else what it's like to have your work criticized as being a genre piece of work so why are you doing it to others joe manganello who's going to be playing uh deadshot in the new batman movie uh, which is supposed to start production sometime first half of 2017 is it deadshot no no, it's 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 a deathstroke deathstroke i'm sorry i said that's okay they both start with a D. So, yeah. hey, in an interview recently, he said, when I met Ben, we sat down and we talked about, you know, the role. We talked about the movie, his take, a fresh take. But I think the audience is going to be surprised because it's a road that no one's really gone down. That's completely integral to, you know, Batman. And I think it's going to be refreshing, but at the same time, completely familiar. But it's going to take this franchise in a different direction that I think a lot of people are going to be really happy about. It's going to be gritty and action-packed and overall and cerebral and all those elements that people love about Batman. You know, I I saw that statement and I saw it's like, okay, you know, the guy ain't going to say anything bad because A, Doesn't it sound like the Dark Knight? Yeah, it sounds like A, the Dark Knight. B, Batman is is always kind of been gritty to a certain extent. It was one thing for people five years ago, which isn't that long ago, but when The Dark Knight came out, it would be one thing for someone to like say that, something like that. that. But now it's like, no, we've already seen I, I that. Don't, I don't know what you could do differently with Batman that, A, we haven't either already seen with the Christopher Nolan series, or even maybe the, even the first two Tim uh, Burton, Tim ones, Burton yeah. movies. Which I'll, were good movies. Which so. I'll ignore the other two. Yeah. Uh, but I just don't see if there's something different. Now, if they've come up with something unique and different, that is still gritty and will make us think, wow, how come no one's thought of that before in a Batman movie? Then great. But I just see the statement as just an actor promoting what his next project no. is. And he's not wanting to upset his, quote, boss, since Ben Affleck is basically going to be directing yeah. the movie as well. You know, I like Batman. And there's rumors that part of this Batman movie, because they said you're supposed to see, quote, a lot of villains in this movie at some point. There's rumor it is that part of this movie is going to be he, him stuck in Arkham Asylum kind of like uh, some of those video games that were, were, were done, mm-hmm. which could be a fun thing to do. 
but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, it's already been done in the video games. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just... I'm looking forward to seeing the Batman movie. I liked what he did with Batman in Batman v Superman. I'm just tired of all this talk about the Batman movie. Just let's let's get this thing in production. Let's get going so yeah. we can see something. I like Batman. I want to see the Batman movie. I think the Batman movie may be the, the crown jewel of the DC universe. But Could be. I just wish they kind of get on with it and move on. Uh, I don't know what your opinion is. It's more I, or less the same. same. Yeah, yeah, I kind of thought. We're going to move on to something different. Well, actually, we're going to stay in the same. Are we going to go somewhere different where this podcast has never been before? Are we going to go dark no. and gritty? No. And, no, uh, but we are going to go to Frank Miller. Oh, okay. I guess a better thing to talk about Batman. He did an interview with Variety. He's not crazy these days. No. <laughs> I like what he had to say here. At least I found his these remarks a lot more interesting to talk about than what we just talked about, which we really, really didn't talk about. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he did an interview with a Variety, and he was asked, you reinvented Batman with, with the groundbreaking Batman The Dark Knight Returns comic in 1986, which influenced every Batman movie ever since. If you had your way, where would you take Batman movie franchise today? And he said, my dream would be to make it a much smaller, to lose the toys, and to focus more on the mission, and to use the city a great deal more. Because he's got a loving relationship with the city he's protecting, and unlike Superman, his connection to crime is intimate. It has been ever since his parents were murdered, and he defeats criminals with his hands, so it would be a a different take but it will never be in my hands because it would not be a good place to make toys from. There wouldn't be a line of toys. And I kind of like what he said. Because, I've, I've actually read that quote before, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's all I've got. And there's something else he's got about Superman. But I kind of liked what he had to say because, and he's really right. I mean, a lot of these superhero movies now today are, are more focused about, worried about, as I think we talked about before, what kind of toys can we put out for Well, this? that's... Somewhat. Well, no, that's, that's nothing new. I mean, the whole idea of superheroes from day one has been, let's merchandise this. Right. Um, but as far as a movie goes, I see where he's... No, and that's and he's actually right. pretty cool. He's right for the most part. Although I am going to say, once again, Christopher Nolan's Batman kind of did that. Like everything he said. Like yeah, but he's got the intimate... to- yeah, but you still saw toys from it, though. Sure, but not as much as he used to. Like, The Dark Knight did not have a video game based off of it. True. Which is a big deal for... Uh, usually big movies like that always have a video game based off of it. They made up for it by doing the um, Arkham series. Yeah, uh, because Batman Begins didn't make very much money so they just said let's not make a video game and then dark knight made more money than god <laughs> and they said oh why didn't we make a video game for this i will say for the most part i kind of think he's already describing nolan's movie but i do like what he has to say it's like a movie like like when we start getting away from the merchandising and stuff and start making just good movies and again i think uh, batman begins especially and the dark knight especially the first two out of that trilogy like really tried to you, do that yeah and i think they succeeded i mean you're gonna have merchandise but i think they really succeeded at at doing exactly what he said so uh, he was also asked about they read that you're going to tackle an origins of superman story exploring superman's jewish roots uh, i don't know if you've heard this one i didn't even hear this one before uh, he says uh, yes it's something i want to do i've only discussed this briefly with dc it's not a work in progress but there is no denying what the actual origins of superman are they've been clouded 
over through the years, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, who created Batman in 1933, must have been aware that they created him during a time of rampant anti-Semitism. All this was timed in the shadow of war being raged by the worst anti-Semite the world has ever seen. So I would like to bring it back home. You know, that brings me back to uh, one of the big issues that I had with Man of Steel was all the Jesus imagery in that movie. I get it. He's like a Jesus, I guess. It just goes back to show if Zack Snyder really knew, really understood this character and really understood the origins behind the creation of this character, he'd know that rather than a Jesus story, it's more of a Moses story or a story of the Jewish immigrant. Mm -hmm. Schuster and Siegel, whether or not they had that in mind when they created Superman, I, I kind of doubt. I think when you when you make something, you, you make subconsciously what you know. And mm-hmm. they were Jewish. Im- or I don't know if they were Jewish immigrants, but their parents at least were Jewish immigrants. And it was a time of heavy anti-Semitism throughout the world, as well as in New York where they were living. So, yeah, that's actually kind of interesting. I don't know what he's going to do about Superman's Jewish roots because it always felt like, to me, Superman was more of a symbol of immigrants and Judaism. Like, he was more of a metaphor of that. Whereas in the comics, I don't know, growing up in a farm in Kansas that just happens to be the only Jewish farm in Kansas just sounds kind of ridiculous to me i don't i don't know <laughs> like that makes me laugh almost i mean i, I just I'm don't sorry, know but i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't be laughing i mean there might remark, be two but... or three but probably not very many <laughs> i just i don't know for some reason i found that funny it just seems a little far-fetched i know we're talking about a guy that can fly faster than the speed of light and lift mountains but that's the part that i have a problem with is his jewish heritage in, in kansas farm country moving on it seems like uh brian singer has decided he's not going to return to the x-men franchise after x-men apocalypse only grossed 544 million dollars worldwide which is a 200 million dollar drop from days of future past oh, that wow. took in 748 million of course brian singer he's moving forward with his 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea reboot. Oh, And he's also taking over the Freddie Mercury bio picture that will really star interesting. Rami Malek from Mr. Robot, who will play the Queen frontman. But, however, writer-producer Simon Kinberg is working on a new script, basically to try, from what it sounds like, almost, I don't know if reboot would be the correct word, but anyway, try to somehow revive the X-Men universe. The Hollywood Reporter, though, has also come out and said that they say that the X-Men franchise is in the flux and that director Josh Boone's new Mutants movie could possibly be the the Fox's next movie in the X-Men universe at the time being. All right. There's a lot to talk about with that. Um, (laughs) First off, Deadpool was kind of a fluke. There's a lot of like X-Men spinoffs that came out in the 90s. Most of them are somehow involved with Deadpool creator Rob Liefeld. And I didn't have it here, but Kinberg's new script that he's working on is in hopes of trying to pull back Michael Fassbender and uh, those three guys all back into the whole story mix as well. Okay, I got more to say then. (laughs) Uh, So... Or at least like our, a lot of hopes. the 90s stuff, like Deadpool, I think was a fluke. Honestly, I don't care about New Mutants. I barely care about 
Cable, but if he's going to be in a Deadpool 2, fine. I certainly don't care about Legion, who's on a Fox TV show now. Mm-hmm. Certainly don't care about him. If you don't know who he is, you should look up the character. It's kind of stupid. A lot of these 90s X-Men stuff is just really terrible. That was when they got more popular than they could handle, and they just made so many of these things, and none of them were really very good. Now, Brian Singer leaving, that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a bad thing when someone who's been around a franchise finally steps away from it and let new blood come into it. Well, he's a good director. He deserves more. Look, I love the Marvel movies. I really do. But, I mean, I feel like in this giant, uh, like, commercialized version of these, I don't think Brian Singer really fits. Like, his movies, the first two X-Men movies, when you watch them and when you remember when they came out, they're kind of a big deal. Yeah, the first movie was low budget. The second movie was well-praised by critics. It wasn't as much of a commercial success as Spider-Man. And for that matter, X-Men movies are always less of a commercial success than whatever else is out there. And with today's crowded market of superhero movies, they don't have... Where an X-Men movie that used to, like, say, the first two came out, there there probably wasn't really a lot of Superman superhero movies to really compete with. No. He is kind of a more artistic, artur type of director, kind of. Yeah, maybe in this world, it's like, it's time to let him go and do, do other movies. Um, All those movies, the Freddie Mercury movie sounds very interesting. I'd love to see him do a Freddie Mercury movie. X-Men 2, that movie came out in, what was that, 2003? Something like that. 2003, yeah, because it was between Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. Because I believe the first X-Men movie came out, what, 2000? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 2003 when the first one came out. X-Men 2 had that scene where, um, I know everyone talks about this scene, but the scene where they all hide out at Iceman's parents' house. Yes. The whole scene is supposed to be an analogy for LGBT kids coming out to their parents. 2003 is when it came out. Yeah, and in 2003, that was a big deal. Like, I'm sure it's still a big deal now, but younger kids may not realize how much of a big deal that was in 2003. To even (laughs) put an analogy, to not come out and call Iceman gay, but to put out an analogy as mutants, an analogy for gays, that was a big deal. Yeah. Like, it was controversial. Here are the movies X-Men 2 had to deal with in their genre for 2003. Ben Affleck's Daredevil, the first Hulk movie in 2003, Mm -hmm. and The League of Extraordinary gentlemen oh my goodness those were the only other three movies that they were competing with that year as far as the superhero genre well in angley's hulk i know like nobody likes it and i don't really like it either it's not uh i watch i like the idea i I like i watched that here a couple months back after you you and i talked about something in a podcast horrible movie and i watched it and it wasn't horrible it was definitely a different take on what what even it's a little it's a little ill conceived right it it seems a little it seems a little odd and weird in places to me yeah and it's like i wasn't sure where they were going with it at the same time i've seen worse movies oh yeah but i don't know if that movie is really necessary quote rewatchable no it's it's hard to watch i'd almost rather rewatch the 2008 hulk movie before i'd watch that one. oh yeah and i'm not saying one is better than i think they're actually both about even i think the ang lee's hulk i like that i like what they tried to do with that movie they tried to really make like an artistic movie out of it almost like an artistic comic book movie almost almost like a taking a comic book and actually realistically taking it a page and putting it in that kind of form on a movie and in some ways it was unique unique and fun to watch but at the same time it was a little odd at the same time in my book thing is like the the biggest problem with that movie though is 
I like that, but at the same time, making us wait 45 minutes for him to turn into the, the Hulk, Hulk is a bit much. It's like, dude, like put it 30 minutes or 20 minutes in there. Mm-hmm. At least a couple shots of him. But anyway, like back to X-Men 2 and Brian Singer, you know, from an artistic level, Days of Future Past really should have been the finale. It was the perfect finale. He changes time and, and then reset the, the end, universe. sees all his old friends again. We see the old cast that we haven't mm-hmm. seen in years. And it was like a reunion at the end. It was it was great. It was really good. And then they decided to keep going. I don't hate Apocalypse by any means. I think that Apocalypse is a decent movie. It's hardly the worst X-Men movie. It's definitely no. not. The big problem with that movie, though, is that... um, The ending was weak. The ending was really weak, actually. The other big problem with that movie, though, is just that I really don't think the soft reboot works. Like, it sounded like a good idea, but then when you see it in practice, oh, you mean we're just still going to watch these characters do Go the, through same the same thing, thing again? And yeah. it's, yeah. It, I know it's been long enough since we did our last podcast, but uh, have you seen the Logan trailer? Yes. Did you like that trailer? Yes, I did. And actually, it's like, well, I guess Days of Future Past was in the finale, but this one will be. This movie looks that, good. Th- that looks so good. And I thought it was i've never seen a trailer use a song where the two almost become one and it almost like it's a perfect fit for the way they did the trailer and with the song they used that really worked the song they use is johnny cash's hurt if anyone you know which was originally a nine inch nails song uh was actually my favorite song by nine inch nails and then johnny cash did it and it was so much better it's a very touching song if you ever get a chance you should really uh watch the video for hurt okay it's uh pretty hard to watch this movie wasn't that like, like this trailer that was, like one of the last songs he did i believe it, it, yeah it was. it was it was it was one of the last he did that was back when um towards the end of his i almost said career but towards the end of his life you know for what was it about 10 years there he really wasn't very popular anymore right? yeah he kind of fallen off the radar if you want to say then he started working with rick rubin rubin was his producer rick rubin produced a lot of rockers like um like i think he did beastie boys and all these others anyway rick rubin had him covering modern alternative rock songs rusty cage is a Soundgarden song and then there was another one that he did and then nine inch nails is hurt i remember when that came out i was like oh this old country dude singing nine inch nails and then i heard it and i was like oh my god (laughs) this is really good That really looks to be a really good movie. I think Hugh Jackman's probably going to go out on a high note with his. I with do his, too. With... I, I really hope so anyway, but that looks like an amazing movie. And Patrick I, Stewart, this is his last film too. I have a speculation because you see that scene in the trailer with him holding a shovel. Yeah. His shirt's all bloodied. And that girl comes up and takes a hold of his hand. Could be totally wrong. Could be totally misleading. I think I know where you're going with but this. But I think that's where he lays to rest Professor X. I really think. Now, I could be totally wrong and he's burying somebody else or it's something completely different. But when I saw that trailer the first time, that's the impression I got. I don't know if you got that same impression. Yeah, I did, actually. Um, there's a part where... Um, and if that's the case, that's probably going to be a really touching part of the movie, I would say. There's a part. It's like the saddest part of the song, but it shows uh, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart like eating dinner together. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, Logan could be, I think, one of those movies that is going to be really good and really almost like a serious type of uh, action movie that is a superhero movie. Problem is, if it is really good as it looks and it's maybe as serious as it possibly looks, 
will never get the award recognition it probably would deserve. No. Unfortunately, which is a sad thing. But that's all speculation at this point. You know, that girl in there, I'm pretty sure I know who she is. They've came out said her name is, her character name is supposed to be Laura or something. X-23. X-23, yeah. yeah. I'm guessing... Do you want do- me to say who you, she is in the comics? Go or ahead, do you wanna- go ahead. In the comics, she is... I'm not going to full on say it. More or less his daughter. Right. More or less. That's kind of what I've read. Yeah. I'm not going to say exactly what she is, just in case I have somebody listening who's, like, really not wanting to know. But, I mean, the problem is, it's, like, it's in the comics. Like, if you watch the trailer, you can see there's a part where Wolverine holds his hands up, like he's being pinned down, and he holds his hands up, and a pair of tiny little claws come at him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's where they're going with with her. I I wonder if you'll see that girl kick ass in that movie. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Speaking, staying within the, quote, X in the universe fox deadpool 2 is supposed to start filming sometime in early part of 2017 but in the meantime they've also since we did our last podcast the director tim miller who did the first one even though he hadn't been signed officially to do the second one although he was expected to return has dropped out left because of creative differences with ryan reynolds and also the the composer for X, for the first deadpool also dropped out of the second one but anyway that's not the really interesting part it's now being reported that fox is moving ahead now with a deadpool 3 by moving ahead with the deadpool franchise by developing deadpool 3 that will reportedly feature the x-men force Led by Cable, the X Force, the X Force. Man, if there's one good, and they thing haven't that, gotten there's, if there's second one, one in production good, yet. If there's one thing that Fox Studios is good at, it's driving a good thing they have into the ground, ground quickly. That's what they did with X Men. Luckily, they had enough good people to like revive it. People forget that X Men was revived, sort of like how in Greek mythology the Phoenix revived from the ashes. Yeah. The Phoenix, if I may, the Phoenix revived. Phoenix, get it? Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I get it. But um, you know, I don't mind a studio looking ahead and prepping for what they possibly want to do next. But to announce it this early, yeah, before it's the second cheap. one, before the second one has even started filming, even though we all know it's the second one's definitely going to happen, but not even to wait till after it's even rap production or even in theaters just to say, oh, hey, guess what? You're going to get Deadpool 3, too. Yeah, I think it's pretty cheap and sleazy, honestly. That's their uh, business model is cheap and sleazy, so there you go. <laughs> Real quick, and I don't want to get into this too much, but did you see that uh, video I posted on YouTube? about Lisa Simpson being the president. Yes, I did. I actually have seen that before, and I, I know where you're going, but yes, go yeah. for it. Yeah, actually, the last bit of business here for podcast number 28, dealing in the world of television, the uh, everyone's favorite family from Springfield, somewhere USA. Springfield, USA, yes. Yeah, is officially been renewed for a 29th and 30th season. We're talking about The Simpsons, the, which will carry the show through the 2018-2019 television season. And when it's done, the series will have made 669 episodes episodes breaking the previous record for a scripted series set four decades previous was it gunsmoke yes yeah which produced 635 shows gunsmoke but gunsmoke only went 20 seasons but that was in the time where shows did 30 to 35 episodes a year so that was that was a different time dan castanella who does homer put out a quote on twitter or facebook or whatever it was saying take that gunsmoke you lost a race you didn't even know you were running (laughs) uh and of course, that show just recently crossed the 600 episode mark with their latest uh, Halloween episode. 
Treehouse of Horror. I really hope that by Fox coming out and saying, or at least the Fox television side saying they're they're going to keep the Simpsons around for at least thirty seasons. I really hope they make the thirtieth season their last season. I mean, at some point that show's got it. I end. do too. And why not? Why not? Given go- the History. Current. Well, I was going to say, given the current political atmosphere, if I may. Yes, I get you. They could have some pretty good material. It's sort of like South Park last year. Uh-huh. They started picking up on this strange political atmosphere that mm-hmm. we have now. And they really kind of... South Park, you know, they've been good, but like for years, but like they really kind of... I don't want to say revived themselves because they've been, they've still been pretty much on point. They've really had some big, really good seasons these mm-hmm. past two seasons. So Simpsons could do that too. Probably not to the same extent, but they, they could. South Park produces their episodes more. They've got yeah. where they can do it quickly and they only do 10 episodes a season here yeah. the last several seasons and, and they seem to be more timely where the Simpsons are like Family Guy. I mean, they're produced. It's going to be a year later. It's going to be time they get them done and my guess is they're already working on the 29th season as it is even though the 28th season is not even a half uh, through yet. I wouldn't mind seeing the show come to end after 30 seasons. I haven't watched the show on a regular basis like I used to at one point. You know, that's kind of the same. I don't watch it on a regular basis. I mean, if I see it's on on a Sunday night and I'm available to watch it, you know, and I see it's one I've never seen before, I will sit down and watch it. I will say it's it's not on my regular rotation. I will say it is. First off, The Simpsons is the best show ever. I know, like, if you like Family Guy or South Park or Archer or whatever, all those cartoons owe it to some. And Simpsons, like, you watch, like, the best years, which was throughout the The mid 90s. First eight to 10 seasons. Yeah. If you watch the best years, they're still funny. If you watch the Mike Scully years, which I used to think were terrible, they're hilarious. I don't know why I thought they were terrible. Like, they're great. They're more like a Family Guy type show at that point. But, it's James, you like Family Guy. Like like this, too. It's actually still a little bit better. I will say, when they went HD, which was after the movie, I'm not going to say it's a bad show. That's stupid. It's a very good show. But when they did go HD, it's sort of like when Gunsmoke went to color. It became a very different show. Like, if you watch the tone of these shows now, it's a lot more slower paced. They've almost the gotten ones. almost like uh, instead of everything kind of just being a hectic mess to a certain extent, yeah. they've become actually almost like a, a normal type of family situation yeah. comedy. It really, but in animation form. To be fair, when the movie came out, when the movie came out, that was still that was at the tail end of the Mike Scully years. Mike Scully's fine. It's just like his stuff was really wacky, and a lot of people were like, "Bring it back to the family era." And then the movie we saw that, but now everyone's like, "It's not wacky anymore." And it's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you really can't make people happy. No, and I'm guilty of that too. I mean, who the thought when that show premiered in the late '80s, 30 years later? No, 30 is insane. That show would still What's be running. What's funny though is like I say 30s insane but south park they're on like their season 20 20th season they're on their 20th season that's insane too what's funny is i'll watch a show from like college and i'm like yeah like i love this episode and then i'm like this is 10 15 years old all the political stuff they're talking about is really old like it's crazy and for some reason futurama never really lasted that was more niche i love futurama honestly futurama for me kind of gives simpsons a run for its money it's it's pretty tough choice to decide which one i like Mm -hmm. better and family guys in this now 15th 15th season 15th or 16th season something like that which is just nuts yeah i mean for a show that technically got canceled twice 
I mean, who who the thought it'd be on fifteen seasons? So yeah. then again, the you know TV's got a lot bigger market to to deal with than, than just the networks. It's cable, it's Netflix, it's Hulu now, Amazon. So I mean, you got a lot of outsources now that they never used to have to compete with. No. And so a show like Simpsons and Family Guy, when you really look at the ratings, aren't necessarily once what they were, but they're good enough to win the night. To keep them going, yeah. That it keeps them going. And why get rid of something that's at least working for on Sunday night? Also, a similar point with uh, these cartoons. I think Simpsons kind of like revitalized the cartoon. Uh-huh. You think about it, like Looney Tunes, their um, theatrical shorts, of course, went on for years, and then they became televised. They weren't as good when they were televised, but... You, um, watch, you watch some of the Looney Tunes cartoons now, depending on which ones you, you watch. Yeah. They edit out some of the stuff, which, oh, yeah. which actually makes them funny, but they yeah. edit them out to make it more PC, and you know, it's like, you know, I grew up watching them without them being edited, and I didn't turn out like an idiot. Some, so. of, the, some of the edit, I get. Like, I, any, I, of the, I, any of the racial stuff I do get. Well, there's also um, there's there's a Bugs Bunny one. Yosemite Sam and Bugs Bunny are running for mayor of the of the western town they're in. And at the very end, you see this horde of people run down and they're carrying this this horse and da da and it says our new mayor, you know, spelled like a mayor for, yeah. for a horse. And they both Bugs and Yosemite both look at each other and they're like, "Huh?" So Bugs hands uh, Yosemite hands a gun to Bugs. Bugs takes it, puts up his yeah. head, pulls the trigger. <laughs> Nothing happens. <laughs> Uh, he gives it to Yosemite's hand. They go to black. You hear a gunshot, and then that's it. You know. Yeah. But they cut that out as soon as you see new mayor. Boom. They end the cartoon. Yeah. So it's it's like you know it's like yeah. come on. I even sort of get that like kids shooting themselves in the head. I understand I get where it, they're going. But it's like I I will say though if you ever get the the Looney Tunes uh, they had a DVD collection I and them. it was unedited the unedited I, I, I bought them. See and that's that's actually okay. Like I I do get same way who owns have a, on for kids. Same but. way same way with a, who owns a Tom and Jerry. They brought all those out yeah. unedited, you know, just I like, need to buy those actually. Just just like looks like they aired in the theater yeah. or whatever it was. You know, they tell you this is when you buy it, you know going into it. It's more for adults and kids today they like made them like, for adults at the time especially the they Looney did Tunes. yeah that's the that's the yeah. thing they made them for adults kids watched them because like they were unsupervised and then those kids grew up demanded them on tv and then threw their kids in front of them i mean that that's really all it is i mean to me that was saturday morning yeah me too granted you could sleep in but knowing at 9 a.m at least at one point for me waking up as a even as a teenager, waking up, making sure your ass was up and, and out in front of the TV in the living room before 9 a.m. before Looney Tunes come on because it would run for an hour and a half. That was my Saturday morning. Simpsons, like eventually that's going to be thought of as a kid show and they'll have to edit some stuff out. And... Same way with Family Guy yep. and, and all that crazy. Family Guy would be a little harder to make. A... You could still edit the dirtier jokes out and make it a good show i think and, and i'm gonna make a slight a change in point here but you see like a, a lot of these new shows on nowadays and if you watch them on dvd if you buy the seasons for example big bang theory mm -hmm. if you watch them on dvd none of those episodes run any longer than 20 to maybe 21 minutes depending if you look at the date that they aired because they aired in ratings no and then you watch them on reruns like on cable I won't mention the network that it's on on cable, but sure. if you if you watch, you know what I'm talking about. They cut parts out still. Yeah. 
They cut them out for commercials. They cut them out for commercials. It's like these shows are already short enough as it freaking well, is. A, there's another thing. Not only do they cut them out for commercials, but Simpsons, they were really bad about this with cartoons like Simpsons for syndication. Not only do they cut out scenes and jokes and lines out to make time for commercials, they also speed the show up. Yes. They speed it up by, yes. I think it's like, what, 0.25 of a second or uh, something like that? People have accused uh, the, the same network that Big Bang airs on syndication on cable for doing the same thing to Seinfeld. They speed it up and... So they can get more commercials in. Yeah, and that's all it is. They can fit one more commercial in and when you watch it, you don't notice it until you do notice it and then you can't, can't undo, undo it. Yeah. yeah, and it's like everything is just unnatural. It's just weird. You know, to me, those shows are short enough as it is without the commercials as they originally made. You know, it's, it's bad enough we get all these commercials as it is. Well, there's a reason why this stuff's yeah, going away. I, I get it. But... One of these days, we're going to get commercials in Netflix and Hulu, though. So, Well, you already do get commercials in Netflix or Hulu unless you take their... You uh, have to pay a little extra. Yeah. Which is totally worth it. Yes, it is. Any final thoughts on anything we've talked about today? I know this has been a little bit of a longer podcast. That's okay. We're talking about Simpsons. I love that show. Um, no, not really. I can't think of anything off. You know, I think one of these days we really need to sit down and do like our like the top ten episodes of Simpsons. I would love to do that. We need to go through, of course that's gonna take a little bit of going through to figure that out, but yeah, I'd love to do that. We can each have our own lists. Yeah, we I'd ought to, to do that sometime. That'd be great. Any final thoughts? Uh no, I think that does it. Doctor Strange and A. Oh, Doctor Strange and A. Mel Gibson can bite Marvel's ass as far as I'm concerned. Love your movies, but yeah, stop your complaining. Fox, stop trying to put out sequels to sequels that haven't Gibson's... been made yet. I mean, come on, guys. Let's yeah. think clearly here. But then again, we're talking about Hollywood. Where can people see your stuff there, James, on the True Believers? On the YouTubes. It's on uh, It's True Believers. I've got a Facebook page, YouTube page. Eventually, I get that website up and running again. Cool. And, and of course, as always, as I've always said, you can find James's links to James's stuff on, oh, on, on Reggietake.com. Right. Uh, check out his latest podcast about the worst movie ever. Oh, man. Did you like that movie? <laughs> I love that movie. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm trying to wrap this up, but you just reminded me I came across in something uh, before this podcast that there was actually a color version of that movie out. Really? On Blu-ray. Really? And it's like, oh my God. It's like, almost want to check it out, but at the same time, I've already seen it, so maybe I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, as I was saying, find James' stuff on RegiState.com. You can always find my stuff on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you later.